Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. You ready? Welcome back, everyone, to the Buffalo Bay Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Steve Vega, and I have two dear friends, Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot from nyup.com. You know Matt Perino, obviously, he's a Buffalo Bills beat reporter. Ryan is always just uh, having the best tweets in the world. Uh, I saw something really hilarious the other day. I know that Matt bounced off of it. I think it was uh, a little vulgar, but I'm going to say it anyways. I really don't give a damn. Um, Something about someone betting his left nut for something what, what was that about ryan really quick if you don't mind uh yeah pretty much that the bills would not be drafting a running back at number 30 and you know i'm not sure why that's the first thing that came to his mind to bet i don't know who would want it but yeah so that that was what he uh tweeted to me <laughs> well we're starting off the uh i just remember seeing like i, I was like scrolling down and i was just like wait a minute i see a stanley gif which stanley's like one of my favorite characters from the office that's always matt and I went up and read it, and I was just like, okay, it's probably just another drunk fan. <laughs> I started laughing so well, hard. Ryan left out. Ryan left out the most important part because he quote tweeted it, the weird tweet, and was like, well, that's, got, that's ballsy of you. Yes, <laughs> so that's I what was, it was. I was dying. I was dying. It was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's what it was. It was such a, such a good tweet. There's a, there a lot going on on Twitter. Obviously, there's a lot of movement in the NFL. Uh And the Bills are still making moves. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking basically about that. You know, what are are these moves? (laughs) Matt Breida's huge. Um, Obviously, we get another connection out of uh, the Carolina Panthers, straight out of England. So, um, you know, there's a lot of change going on with the Buffalo Bills. A lot of, I think, just holes that are being filled, I think, very contractually. I think it's just awesome the way it's been going down. do you guys want to just take the lead on this? Uh, Matt, you can start, and then Ryan will get to you on what you guys think about these signings thus far. Yeah, I think going back to last week, you know, it, there wasn't a, a huge splash per se. Like, you know, Emmanuel Sanders wasn't really on anybody's radar because he was still on the roster for for New Orleans before they cut him, and the Bills were quick to swoop in and sign him. Obviously, that's been covered pretty heavily, the interest that they've had on him, in him the last couple of years. Uh, but I think that's a, a really under-the-radar signing. These all are under-the-radar signings in a lot of ways. But that one, I think, could really you know, um, improve the offense, as crazy as that is to sound, as good as they were last year. I think Emmanuel Sanders offers more stability at that position. I think he's a guy that, you know, he'll produce, but he's also going to be out there. And I think that was one, that's one biggest issue with John Brown going into the season where I felt, I feel like it's odd. It's like into the 2020 season. It's odd. Like he went through and played the entire 2019 campaign, uh, put up a, a really great thousand yard season. And then he get he gets to kind of take a Robin role. Uh, to Stefan Diggs as Batman, and he just really struggled to stay healthy. So I like that part of it. I think he's a little bit more physical of a player. So I think that this offense has 
the chance to be even better in what they're able to do and the headaches that it could cause defenses. Um, staying on that side of the ball, you mentioned uh, Brita. Uh, we talked a lot about him on our, our latest podcast um, and what that could mean. I like the upside there. I'm not going to sit here and say that that rules out anything in the draft or uh, he's going to go in and be running back two or running back one. I think he's going to have to really fight, scratch, and claw. I think that they like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. It's why you haven't seen a more prominent move at that position. We'll see. Maybe they make one in the draft. But I think he's a guy that adds speed, and that's an an element of that group that's been missing. And I'll kind of let Ryan take the the lead on uh, some of the defensive guys. Well, God. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Afi Obata, I, I liked him a lot. He was someone that was kind of on the second, third tier radar. Uh, it, it sounds weird to say, but he, he's going to be 29 here, I believe in May. And, and to say that a 29 year old may be playing his or getting ready to play his best football yet. It, it, you don't usually hear that, but in his case, it's true because he's someone that didn't start playing football until he was 22 years old. He has a really interesting story. Uh, you know, in terms of where he grew up being uh, trafficked to different parts of the world, being abandoned in London at a young age, and yet he overcomes it all and he becomes this uh, success story in the International Pathway Program, becoming the first player to make a 53-man roster. Obviously has familiarity with uh, Eric Washington, some of the defensive linemen on the Bills team. I think he can come in here and make an impact because he has that versatility to play on the inside and outside. So I like that signing. And then one other name, uh, Jacob Hollister. I liked that addition as well to the tight end room. Obviously has a little bit of a rapport with Josh Allen from their days at Wyoming. And they, they recently re-aired that Seahawks-Bills game on NFL Network. And he, and he was a pretty big factor in the passing game that day. So I think he'd come in and be a nice compliment to Dawson Knox. Awesome, man. I, I love your guys' points. Like, I actually was just diving into just how kind of how they fit because I feel like, look, from a fan's perspective, you know, look, you look at all these players coming in. It's great. I love seeing big names come in. I love seeing names that are kind of out of the box. And But at the end of the day, now I'm at a point as a fan where I'm just like, are they going to fit though? Because the Bills have had plenty of players. And one thing I've noticed is that over and over, free agency has really done well for the Bills. Now, I, I do have a bone to pick about the whole Quentin Jefferson, John Brown situation, and now we're replacing going this way and that way. Now, I am on the side of moving on from John Brown because I do not believe he really fit us well when the going got tough. You saw how we went 5-0 and without him. And But here's the thing. I look at a guy like Quentin Jefferson. I guess it was just they just didn't like him, and they just didn't like the way he was going to fit going down the line. And I, I just saw a lot of I saw a lot of light at the end of the tunnel with him throughout the season um, when we didn't have star and we started to see uh, our defense start to come together. We start, you know, forcing turnovers. And I really like that. I like, I love that's what he brought to the, you know, the defense. Now I understand now, okay, this is what they were looking to do. Upgrade these positions, the running back and the wide receiver positions. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, we are probably going to have to release some players that we like, but they're not going to get us over the next hump. And clearly, uh, management and coaching staff is sending the message, we are looking to upgrade everything. I mean, when you move on from John Brown, you take a dead cap hit, you bring in Emmanuel Sanders. In my eyes, going off of what you said, Matt, I think it was low-key, always a guy like Emmanuel Sanders to bring in. We just took at, you know, we just looked at what was there. Uh, Obviously, 
John Brown, Cole Beasley were in the free agent market. So Cole Beasley's still there. He's obviously blossomed amazing in the Bills offense. Now, I want to say something about Matt Breida, though. Like, I'm not Let me back this... you up for a second, though, real quick. Just Go ahead. For, Go ahead. Uh, just to add clarity for your listeners. Um, so there wasn't a dead cap. Hit. There was a very small dead cap hit on John Brown. So they actually gained $8 million, close to $8 million by releasing him. With Quentin Jefferson, they gained about $6.5 million by releasing him. So I don't think really, when push came to the shove, I don't think either of those two guys was a move done even, you know, 25% because they wanted to move on from the player. I think Brandon Bean even came out and said last week that if the pandemic hadn't hit, these were two guys that were going to be in their plans. I think what happened was in Jefferson's case, he came into a situation where they asked him to play a little bit out of position to your point about start with star Latule and it didn't go well. Now they're bringing in, uh, uh, Obata, who I think can do it maybe at a higher level. He's a little bit bigger. He 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 put on some weight. He's a little bit thicker. I think he's a little bit more athletic. Um, but I wouldn't say that either of those guys were guys that they were anxious to move on from. It just made too much sense in a year where, as you've seen, they've had to really scratch and claw for every dollar that they can find because if they didn't, they wouldn't be they wouldn't have been able to do any moves. Got it. Well, I'm gonna tell you something right now. Like when I go on Twitter or when I try to look on spot track here or there, like I love having you guys on because it really does bring clarity because I'm looking at the cap and I'm like, how in the hell are we getting this done? I I don't, I don't see the money. It's very, you're what you just said, I think should be a banner that we, we send out over Twitter because the salary caps hard, man. Like these general managers get paid millions and millions of dollars for a reason and understanding how that they structure contracts and what goes into it. I've been covering this league for three years and I'm still feel like an amateur sometimes when I'm having to, you know, comb through the CBA or going through different, uh, research methods, talking to Sal Capaccio, who I will admit is my go-to cap guy. Um, it's, it's complicated stuff. And so there's, there's so many, and, and this year it's even more complicated because the cap um, was reduced for the first time. I don't even know. I, I don't know if there's a precedent for it or not, but they weren't expecting this. And so they've had to kind of adjust on the fly, uh, restructure some contracts. They've given three players pay cuts, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler. Uh, who was the other one, Ryan? They get, a, they gave a play cut there. Um, oh, Mark Butler, did you say Travis White yet? I'm sorry if I didn't hear you. He he didn't have a pay cut. Yep, he was a restructure. Restructure. Um, Okay. They 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 got pay cuts done with a oh Mitch Morris. Um. um, Yep. And then even well, no, they they extended it. Medicavich, but yeah, Mitch Morris was the one. So yeah, it's very complicated, Stephen. I think that like you know, there's so many good Bills follows on Twitter. I think Greg Thompson does a really good job. Sal, I mentioned, uh, is my guy. Go through their timelines and you know, search certain terms uh, and uh, with their name, and I think you can find some information because a lot of people are missing that information. It's key information because if you see the John Brown, Quentin Jefferson, this is actually a really good topic. You see those moves, and you're just sitting at home like, hey, I kind of like Quentin Jefferson. Why do they cut him? Well. They were going to have to pay him over about $8 million was his cap hit this year. And instead, they were able to take $6.5 million and sign Matt Breida, Effie uh, Obata, um, Jake Hollister, and probably one more player. That's four contracts right there. So that's important stuff. Yeah, you know, and it, going going back to Effie Obata, you know, I really, 
interesting prospect of a guy. Like, I feel like, okay, he's not as explosive as a guy like, obviously, you know, DeForest Buckner, but I feel like he's the kind of guy you can line up wherever the heck you want. And I think that's what the Buffalo Bills are looking for because with teams that are literally doing anything and everything to get points on offense, you just basically need that. And now when you go against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, you just need good players. You just need guys who can line up and go. But, you know, in the AFC, you're looking at teams that are rising up. You got to cover Lamar Jackson. You got to cover uh, now you got Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. So who knows how they're going to run that offense? And it, it goes obviously straight up to Kansas City. Like the Bills are trying to get back to the AFC championship, win the division, obviously, first. But I, I think they're trying to get creative here, obviously, with the cap. But I do get interested in what he brings to the table. He kind of, I think this is a guy who not only can replace Trent Murphy, but definitely take a guy like uh, if he de- if he develops really well, like AJ Epinesa, it, do the same thing, swap them on both sides. I think that was very interesting in my eyes. Now, Matt Breida, I freaking love Matt Breida. When I saw him leave San Francisco and go to the Dolphins, I was so upset that we didn't sign him. Now, I totally get we upgraded in different positions and it really ended up you know paying off in very strong dividends, you name it. But... Look, I, I've gone on the record too many times, and maybe one day Devin Singletary is going to, you know, he's going to curse me out. Zach Moss, I really don't care. I want the running back room to be imploded. Like we needed a guy like this to basically force them to play a little bit out of their element to help the offense because who they are, in my opinion, I don't think really fits the Bills. This guy fits the Bills' offense because this guy is just going to—he can take a depleted offensive line and make them look like all-stars. I mean, he's extremely fast off the punch. And one thing we have not seen from the Buffalo Bills backfield for a very long time, since LaShawn McCoy first got to the Buffalo Bills, was getting to the third level. And that's something that's very explosive, especially for an offense that is number one in literally running play action. Like, your play action isn't going to work against great teams unless you got a guy who can just pop off. And this is a guy who I think can definitely pop off. You guys can jump in on that if you want, or I can move on to the next topic. Maybe that was just the Terry on the top to what you guys said, but feel free. The floor is yours. Well, you know, the, the one thing about Brady is I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to make the final roster right now. He, he did sign for the vet minimum. So I think he was coming in here maybe with the intentions of, of trying to prove himself, obviously, he thinks he could be a good fit here, uh, but you're going to have to make some tough decisions if Rita makes this roster uh, in, in terms of being an active game day player, because then you have Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. And how are you going to split up the carries uh, one year after you struggled with figuring that out last year, where neither guy could get into a rhythm. Uh, he definitely does have that, that extra gear that neither of those backs uh, have. But at the same time, it's also kind of a little bit of pump the brakes. He has a very impressive yards per carry average throughout his career. Uh, but but why didn't it work out last year in Miami, especially on a team that did not have the answers at running back? They bounced around a little bit with Miles Gaskin, Selvin Ahmad. Uh, Jordan Howard was brought in at a pretty fair price point, and he didn't do anything. So I am interested to see what he can do. He's going to get a shot to make this roster, but there's also guys like Antonio Williams who played well in week 17. There's Christian Wade who Sal did point out can be another roster ex- exemption this year that they're going to allow for a third year. 
But I, I still think this is either he's going to make the roster or not this year because well, he'll be 30 years old. So you, well, you're either going to move on from him or not. Let me ask you this real quick, Ryan. And Matt, you obviously can chime in too. I don't mean to cut you off if you're going to say something. But look, like, does Matt Breida pose a better threat than Devin Singletary in the pistol? Um, so a couple of things. First of all, going back to your original um, take there. Yeah. I, I, I'm hearing this a little bit more than I, I'm surprised to hear it as much as I do. The passion in your voice about wanting more of a run game. I feel like Bills fans have waited decades for an elite passing offense. And last year, this was the passing offense. I mean, it took the, 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 the league by storm. It finished number two in the league, but it was dynamic. It was unstoppable. Late in the season, after all of that tape had been compiled, the best defensive coordinators in the, in the game couldn't figure out how to stop Josh Allen in this offense, this passing game. And now here we sit in March, and I'm hearing way too much about the running game. This is a passing offense. Running, running the football, listen, I... I get it. Like you want to be better at it, but you're not going to run more. You're not going to go away from what you do. Well, this is a passing offense. It's going to go through Josh Allen and whoever gets the ball in their hands. Yeah. They're going to have to produce Devin Singletary was fifth in the NFL as a rookie in yards per carry. He's done it at a high level already. I think that, you know, he was a little bit shook by what this situation was last year. No doubt about it. He went from, and I use this, analogy on our podcast. He just think about this, Steve, if you got into a job day one and it was, it was great. And they kind of brought you along slowly at the start. And then before long, a few, like a few weeks, they were putting big projects on your desk and you were knocking it out of the park and you had a great first year, great first year, not like, you know, they're they're promoting you to VP or anything, but you had a, a great first year. And then year two in comes They bring in the exact same type of person and they do. And instead of bringing them along, it's kind of like a timeshare from the very start. They're doing a lot of the same projects you're doing and you're shook a little bit. I'm wondering how much of that was a mental thing. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here for a team that saw what Josh Allen did over the course of his three years. Am I going to sit here and say that they need to move on from Devin Singletary or move on from Zach Moss? Uh, after a, a rookie season and a pandemic season, patience and embrace the identity. And the identity is the passing game. Well, look, I am going to say this though. Definitely go on the record. I don't want a run heavy offense. I just want a guy who can produce with this new identity. And I, given that could be that could be one hundred percent true, Matt. With what you're saying, maybe he was just shook. But you got 16 games and you get into the playoffs and you do jack crap. Like for me, that's just what I saw. I didn't see a guy who evolved. I saw a guy who took what the defense gave him and wasn't really like, look, bottom line, before I don't want to go on a too much of a rant with this. Look, what uh, we, I'm about to go on another rant. So it's fine. It's be prepared. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's cool because this is this is something that's very interesting. We didn't we I look, I, I said it on Twitter, like. I, I see all these moves happening and I see nothing. I'm just anticipating maybe with more moves happening, they're still going to try to upgrade the running back position. Then literally two hours later after I tweeted that, boom, Matt Breida. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, I guess they're not satisfied. Look, all I'm getting at is if you look at 
the bottom line, the sour kaput to the season against Kansas City. We got sticky coverage. Stephon Diggs is not getting separation from Breland. You're not seeing John Brown. Cole Beasley's broken in half. Your tight end isn't really producing as much as you wish he could in his second year. And then you start looking around. Okay, is Josh Allen going to have to you know, do what he did in Houston the year before? Or can we turn to the run game? The run game did absolutely nothing. And so I am saying in a game, look, I, I, I appreciate what our offense did, getting us to the point where, boom, I mean, we are competitive as hell. And then we go against Kansas City and look like a, a deer in the headlights. Like, because we had no run game, though. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying I want to I want to run heavy team. I'm just saying when the going gets tough and you need to turn to the run game, you need a guy. I'm not saying you need Thurman Thomas, but you need somebody back there to scare the defense a little bit that you can get five, six yards when it really matters. And I, I really didn't see that. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Did yeah. Damian Williams scare any defenses for the Kansas City Chiefs the year they went to the Super Bowl? Did the, he scare any playoffs. defenses? No, 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 no. He never, no one went into a game game planning for Damian Williams. You game plan for Patrick Mahomes. What running back in the NFL scares you? One. One. Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook scares me. Oh, Dalvin Cook doesn't scare you? That offense doesn't scare you? Dalvin Cook had four touchdowns in one game. He popped off. Look, look, listen, I understand that you got Kirk Cousins and whatever have you, but... There's a guy who can pop off. There's a guy that actually frustrated a guy. Ryan, like chime Diggs. in here, please. Save this conversation <laughs> before I go through the rules. Oh, man. No. Uh, it, the running. Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to what Nick Saban actually said today. I don't know if you guys caught that clip or not. Nick Saban talked about how he's adjusted his mindset in as being a football coach, mind you, at the college level, and how a few years ago it was play good defense, run the ball, and you're going to win games. And he goes, you can't do that anymore. You can't depend on your running game to win games. You have to be able to pass the ball. And it's the same thing in the NFL. I, you know, to your point, Steve, I get what you're saying about Delvin Cook, but there's a reason that the Vikings were where they were at the end of the year last year, and they weren't in, in that uh, Super Bowl contender mix. It's because as good as he is and as good as they they have a, have a wide receiver in Justin Jefferson and things like that, I don't know if they're good enough passing-wise with, with Kirk Cousins. You need to have that elite passer to take right. you over the top. That's, I'm about, that's where I'm, we're kind of coming I'm from. A, I'm about to ruffle your feathers really bad then. What if you put Dalvin Cook on this team? Or what if you put Josh Allen in the Minnesota Vikings? What happens? I think you'd be a Super Bowl contender, but it's more so just because of Josh that, than the running back. It, either scenario, Delvin Cook's going to get a lot less carries than first he did all, one year First ago. of all, first of all, first of all, it doesn't work like that, though. Like, I know that that's a fun thing to talk about. Like, oh, take out this guy, take out that guy. What if Patrick Mahomes would have been drafted by the Bills? Like this and that. There's so many things that go into building a team and building around players that – it doesn't work like that. Like you just, and even still, like you say you want a dynamic playmaker at running back, right? You know, everybody, there's a lot of people high on, uh, uh, Travis Etienne out of Clemson, like go out and get that playmaker, that speed. So they could come in here and, and be a game breaker. There's no guarantee that that happens. I know that there's people high on him, and there's people high on his talent. Listen, 
the whole world is drooling over Trevor Lawrence right now. He could come in here and Ryan leaf it up. We don't know. So I'm just saying like, it's like the idea of getting a better, get a better production from your running game. It's a good idea. They got to do something to improve it. But to say that, like, there's no chance that it could be Singletary or Zach Moss. And I'm not sure if that's what you're saying, but okay. I've but I've seen that be, have been said is 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 just nuts to me, especially that's for fine. offenses as good as this one is. That's fine, and I'm I'm happy we're having this conversation because look, what I'm getting at is I guess I see building a team on a, on the offensive side fundamentally completely different than a lot of people do. I believe if you don't have these three positions, you're going nowhere. Your quarterback your wide receiver, and your running back. Everything else from there should be easy to figure out once you have those three positions figured out. Steve. That's just my opinion, though. Okay, so if you have Patrick Mahomes and uh, whoever you want to say, who's the best receiver in the NFL right now? Um, Throw somebody out there. Yeah, well, okay. Stephon uh, Diggs, yeah, Stephon yeah. Diggs, and Derrick Henry. If you don't have an offensive line to block for it, what does it matter? Well, well, but my point, my point, Matt, I'm just saying fundamentally, before you get to the offensive line, before you get to the tight end, all of those other positions, if your wide receiver, your quarterback, and your running back aren't good to go, if those positions aren't solid, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. Given, I know, oh, well, well Tom Brady won and blah, 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 blah. Well, because... Fournette finally showed up in the playoffs. Exactly. But I'm not saying you need a guy that's like an all-star. All I'm saying is that, that, look, they were stacked at the wide receiver position. I get that. But Matt, who carried them in that game against Kansas City? The running back position and the play-action game to the tight ends. They, they, They were able to basically do whatever they wanted because obviously you have the threat with Mike Evans, number one. Number two... Tom Brady, number three, Leonard Fournette, he just fit with what the plan was going into the playoffs. My hope going into the playoffs was that eventually it was going to get figured out with the run game. And you saw when the going got tough, a lot was on Josh Allen's plate. He got it done. He got us very far. Now, this is why I'm just saying I get excited about a guy like Matt Breida. Coming in on the a veteran minimum, awesome. And I'm talking about this year, being able to compete for a Super Bowl, when we get to the playoffs, I will bet money that Matt Breida is going to come through for the Buffalo Bills. Maybe it's going to take time throughout the season, but I do not believe a guy like him with his talent, with his speed, with his awareness, is just, he's just not going to work. Because I just feel like he fits my fundamental pieces that you just need to build around. There's, if you ever, have you noticed there's so much pressure on Dawson Knox to develop? And we're spending all this money at other positions because we're waiting for the running back position to get going. But look, that's just where I stand. And it actually does kind of lead into, you know, with all these contracts getting hit, we got to talk about Josh Allen's. This is something that's been buzzing around and I need to get your guys' take on this. So should Josh Allen get with his agent and just straight up say, I need my money now. I don't know. Like, I think, like that J.G. Wentworth commercial? That's <laughs> correct. That is correct. It's my money. And I need it now. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry about that. 
No, I was just going to say, I don't think they should give Josh Allen an extension. I think, I think they should just find the best running back and pay him all the money. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing you. That's too um, no, so um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> the extension for Josh Allen. Um, well, I know, but what was the specific question about it? Should, should, should he get his money now? It's such an interesting conversation. And I think that, you know, because of the weird time that we're in with um, what's going on with the salary cap and the constraints of it, and the fact that, you know, I, I don't think really either side, by the time this thing really gets going, is going to be super stressed about getting it done. I think it works out for both sides to wait till next. Uh, off season as well. And I think that like the latest report I heard, I think it was either Tom Pelissaro. I think it was Tom Pelissaro that said that he thinks that they're going to, they're going to sit down at a table in, you know, June or July and start to have the preliminary discussions. Um, but if a number doesn't fit right, or if they can't come to a, to a, to a, uh, uh, a number that they like, I, I think that it probably gets pushed into the, the off, next off season. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo that. Brandon Bean was just on a podcast, and I I keep blanking on the name of it. Um, James Trotter, or Jim Trotter, and uh, oh, I can't think of his co-host there, but it was really good. And he pretty much said that, you know, he'd like to get something done now, but he wouldn't be shocked also if Josh Allen's agent pretty much said, well, let's kind of hold off until either in season or after the season because, you know, there's this new contract that the NFL is signing. Uh, where they're expecting the salary cap to go up significantly. And, and that plays into his agent's favor where, hey, you know, the salary cap's going to 215 this year. It's going to be 220, 225, 230, three years from now. You know, you can afford a Josh Allen at 43, 44 million rather than 40 million right now or 41 million, whatever the case may be. And I know you're probably sitting there saying, well, what's the difference? At the end of the day, a quarterback's going to want as much money as he can get. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Josh is a little bit of a team player and he moves money around on a year-by-year basis, a la Tom Brady. Uh, but Brady obviously still got every penny of that deal. Uh, but it's going to be interesting, like Matt said, just because Allen is in a good spot right now based on his play last year. Uh, he could definitely command that money right now. And, and I'm sure Brandon Bean the Bills would love to pay it. I don't even think that if he has a slightly down year in 2021, it's going to change anything. They're going to want to pay him significant money. Well, I think those are great points. I mean, I stand on, like, if I'm Josh Allen, I am treating myself like a Mercedes Benz. I invested so much money into my career, who I am, the whole nine. I need an insurance policy because of the way I play. And I'm a fan. I'm looking at him and I'm, I'm saying, like, this dude needs to get his money ASAP. He's dodged some very scary injuries. Um, you know, you, you date back, you see the injury history where he was out for about, I think, five to six games right when he got in the league. Um, and then just this year, when you saw him go down against the Chargers, it was the scariest twist I've ever seen a quarterback take. I thought he tore every ligament in, ligament in his knee. I thought that was it. He gets back up, he keeps playing. Now, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm looking at my contract and I'm saying, how about I just get a team friendly one for now, four years, call it what it is, you know, something similar to like what Dak Prescott is getting. Uh, maybe he's worth more. I, I'm not going to speculate that. All I'm saying is if I'm Josh Allen, I request it ASAP 
It's team friendly in the first year. Well, apparently next year, the bills are going to have probably the most cap space cap room from what I saw out of like, like, I think they're going to be up in the top five. Um, but you know, that's why I'm saying maybe take one year to just kind of let it chill and then just take a huge hit uh, on the cap the year after. That's just what I'm believing he would request. And especially because we need to keep cycling players with the way the cap is. And who knows, God forbid, another pandemic. You know. But anyways, fellas, uh, it was a pleasure. Obviously, uh, it, look, <laughs> Matt Breed is a monster. I like, I like who we got going um, from these recent signings. I think they're, they're going to be an interesting fit to begin with. Um, I've learned my lesson from last season where I'm like, oh my God, Quentin Jefferson. Oh my God, Mario Addison. We're going to be able to plug in and play and everything's going to be fine. And then we all obviously saw the struggle on the defensive side for the first four to five games and they started to find, you know, figure out their mojo. But um, yeah, if you guys want to take a second real quick, obviously give the audience a chance to know where they can find all of your content. I'm always in that chat for uh, the shout uh, Buffalo podcast. So Buffalo bills podcast. It's awesome. So if you haven't checked that out, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, definitely do that. But yeah. Floor is yours guys. Go ahead, Matt. I'll let you start. Um, yeah. Thanks for having us on. Uh, you can find us. I'm, I'm at Matt Prino on uh, Twitter. He's at Ryan Talbot bills, the shout bills podcast search Buffalo bills on NY up on YouTube or shout bills podcast on all the audio platforms. And you can find our work on NewYorkUpstate.com and Syracuse.com. Yeah, YouTube, new channel, find it, smash that like button. All right. Well, thank you, fellas, so much for joining me on the Buff Hub, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend, guys. Go Bills. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot, because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.